This episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast is brought to you in part by our friends at Performance Center Racing Warehouse. Located in Statesville, North Carolina, Performance Center Racing Warehouse provides racers with just about everything you need to go asphalt late model racing, including being the home of the PRW chassis. From a full-blown fabrication shop to services that can help you get your race car reclipped if you've been in the wall one too many times or you just need to get your racing program straightened out. Give Roger Johnson and the folks at Performance Center Racing Warehouse the chance to earn your racing business by calling them today at 704-838-1400 and visit them online at performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to Episode 9 of the Half Price Concessions Podcast. I'm your co-host, Tyler Williams, and thank you to everybody and anybody who's listened to any of our episodes. And just so we're clear, in case you don't know, you can hear the Half Price Concessions Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, as well as Stitcher. And if you don't want to download any of those apps, but you still want to listen to episodes, here's what you do. Go to your internet browser and type in www.anchor.fm slash HPC podcast. And there, the Anchor page will pull up and you can listen to the episodes without downloading an app. So if you want to listen on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, I highly recommend those. But if you don't want to download one of those, just go to www.anchor.fm slash HPC podcast. Now, on to this week's episode. Me and Buddy Payne have once again found time to reunite. We are talking what kind of racing event we would want to have if we were fictional promoters. We play this game so many times between each other. Like, what kind of event would you put on? And whatnot. We're talking that. We're talking stories of being a husband and all the things that you learn, and we're still learning in marriage and so much more. Episode nine, back with Buddy Payne, the third episode we've recorded, is coming up after this short message. Once again, on the Half Price Concessions podcast, me and Buddy Payne have once again carved out some time in the schedule to reunite, and it, as always, it feels so, so good. good. <laughs> so good. And we are once again reporting from the Alamance County-Guilford County line, where it is, it's darn near gorgeous out here, man. The leaves are turning, the water's still. It's, it's, it's a good fall day, yes, sir. It is not too miserable to sit outside <laughs> in a hoodie. That's right, that's right. But uh, pretty cool thing we had we've we've actually talked about this for years and years we've played fictional race promoter because we go <laughs> so, so many races and what kind of spurns all this is the announcement unfortunately in dirt late model racing that the dirt million event uh put on by cody uh what's his last name summer, summer? Mm-hmm. yeah cody summer and the crew that the dirt million is not returning but he is actually going to be promoting a lucas oil late model dirt series uh show at is it port royal at port royal yep port royal's two-day show it's a throwback show and it's i think 75 grand to win so pulling the plug on the dirt million which was honestly probably the most unique race of any kind i've heard of in my entire 
just race fan life for 31 years is just such an incredible concept. And buddy, you actually went to the event, yep. but for those that don't have a clue what we're talking about, as far <laughs> as the purse structure and stuff goes, it was a thing where fans could pledge with financial support to not only help boost the event payout, but also help their drivers. Can you, you shed a little light just on that? Yeah, the uh, like I said, very unique format. Um, it's very just new. Uh, a lot of dirt late mile racing, they just get stuck with the same old you know criteria and and you know just how things are set up and all. And I really was just floored by all the newness thrown at it at once. That was cool. But um, yeah, the way the structure was set up is every everything relating to the race, a percentage of whatever was bought went to the purse um so you know your advanced ticket sales you know a percentage of that went towards the purse um as far as the individual stuff for the drivers you could sponsor tires you could sponsor you know uh fuel um whatever for your you know you could pick your favorite driver and the way that worked is a you know you like buy sponsor a tire for you know x driver well um a percentage of that money went towards the purse but also that driver got points if you will um so like your more popular drivers you know if, if driver x gets like 50 pledges and driver you know y gets 25 then he x driver's points goes higher and then that was one of the provisionals whoever had the most donations related to that driver that was a provisional form whereas normally provisionals based on series points right. or track points or past champions something like that now it's based on how much money yeah. did your fans bring to the table and cody was really big on that that was a good way for the drivers to get involved with promoting the race as well uh he's really big with the social media stuff um so you know driver if he promoted on you know twitter facebook or whatever for each time he posted something he got a point yeah. or however many uh so it really got the drivers behind it too like you know trying to encourage the fans hey guys you know vote for me you know uh, retweet this share this and stuff it was a, a genius way to get the word out um to just your regular race fan that wouldn't have known anything about it yeah because i think a lot of the drivers it's like because of all the time and money they put in to prepare the race car and whatnot usually the most that they do is they might post on their social media where they're going mm -hmm. and then they have like their website and they have a schedule where they're going but you don't see much past that whereas this one right. there was a lot of incentive to post you know two months out right. that we're going to be here and here's the link to pledge and and whatnot so cody just like you said, it wasn't just one new thing you yeah. threw at it. It was a bunch so of new many. things. That's what yeah. makes it heartbreaking that it yeah. is not going to come back next year. The cool thing with the pledges, too, was, you know, obviously you're going to have your more popular drivers, you know, your Bobby Pierce's, Jonathan Davenport's, you know, guys like that. And and typically, you know, you would expect those guys to make, make the event, you know, through a heat race or, you know, B-main at worst. Um, so if you made, like, at the end, the drivers who had the most points from all of this stuff, if they already made the show through a different uh, avenue, it, it fell down to who was next. So that was really cool. You know, you had your guys that probably, you know, weren't going to be able to race their way in, but they could still get in off a of, you know, provisional that way. So, you know, you had guys you probably never even heard of that gets to make the show. They get to be on the big stage and get to run for the big money. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. So, and also <clears throat> another thing that made it unique, it was not at a traditional dirt track. It was not at a facility that's been dirt its whole time or a, even a facility that was constructed to be dirt it was at a racetrack called mansfield which was originally built up to the level where it could run the nascar truck series and i think the bush series it was built to that standard where it was an asphalt track there was corporate suites and there was you know the bleachers and such so with cody bringing the dirt 
in now you have to flip it to a dirt facility but you have all the things on the outside of the track that can handle these bigger events because you go to a lot of the tracks around this area they were not built with the purpose of having corporate vip or a lot of the media that we have now like streaming services and stuff they were built the tower was big enough to hold the scores and the announcer and a little bit of staff so there was that kind of also as well and also no one had a notebook yeah. on how to set a car up for this track that the the history behind mansfield it was originally built uh as a three-eighths mile dirt track and then um it was reconfigured and paved to a four-tenths of a mile um and then of course you know nascar they have like uh, uh regulations that the track has to meet as far as um you know facilities your bathrooms uh the safety stuff you know the safer barriers all that kind of stuff uh and the trucks ran there i think i read from 04 to 08 maybe or somewhere in that range not a very long period. yeah it wasn't a long period of time but the track was built up to where it can handle it uh, the grandstands i think holds around seven to eight thousand people which is you know unheard of for a dirt track um super nice bathrooms a, a nice little midway uh for your um t-shirt sales and stuff like that merch merchandise uh, like i said it had the vip um and all that kind of stuff and then when cody took it back over um they dug up the concrete and put down the dirt um and that's where some of the issues were um there was a lot of rocks and that concrete and stuff still in the surface i was gonna say that that seems to be problem number one that comes up is because you were actually there and you sent me a picture from where a rock had gotten thrown up and it hit the glass of one of the vips it was just above you and glass came oh yeah flamed down just one of those things that you think you put enough dirt on it to cover up right. that problem it it does come back up and and a lot of the times what you happen and, and you see this uh you know there's been several tracks uh, here recently that they'll that are asphalt tracks and they'll cover it with dirt and they'll bring in you know outlaws or something like that and run and just the surface isn't run in uh so you get like you know, sometimes it gets dusty, but you get a lot of holes and things like that just because, you know, it's a you know, two-week-old surface that they're trying to get ready in time. Uh, yeah, the, the we went to the inaugural event, and uh, that was some of the most weird, just odd stuff to happen in a race. Um, the glass shattering there, you know, glass falling on people, and it was just crazy. You know, the, uh, obviously a safety concern there, so they had to stop the race and move everybody. Um, during the main event, um, the flagman went down. Yeah, he and, got hit with a rock or something. And we're in the stands, and, and, you know, we don't know what's going on. And um, I thought, you know, he was an older guy, so the first thing I thought was a heart attack or something like that, you know, because he went down. And, uh, yeah, he took – he uh, rock hit him, knocked him out. I mean, just crazy, just weird stuff like that. Um, but yeah, that was when we walked up, um, on the Friday, it was a two day show. We walked up on the Friday, we had the pit passes and stuff. And it's like these massive pound, uh, piles of the concrete and stuff that they had uh, tore up, you know, that you're walking by, you know, that's kind of odd. And then it's the first dirt track I've ever been to that has the safer barriers, you know, yeah. um, and been a huge, uh, uh, pit area too, you know, cause they're expecting uh, trucks usually one, what, 36 trucks, something like that. So, yeah, something like you know, that. so they got this real, real nice paved area for that, uh, um, I mean, it, it was, it's an awesome, awesome facility. Yeah. So, unfortunately, that event got to run for two years, got announced it's not coming back. So that got us to thinking. We've always talked about, you know, what kind of show we would like to see put on. We've, we've fictionalized a ton of times about <laughs> being the owners of 311 Motor oh, yes. Speedway and yes. what we would do there and stuff. And, and to any race promoter that listens to this, we ain't got the money to put the skin in the game. So we're not, we're not boo-hooing on you by any means. You guys stick your neck on the line way more than we ever would. This is just two guys that 
have been going to races for 30 something years and just have fun talking about it. So we got to thinking about what kind of show we would put on. So, you know what? I'm actually, I'm going to actually change my mind in the middle of doing this. I'll let you do a dirt one. Okay. And then I'm going to, I'm going to kind of spin my wheels on what kind of asphalt show okay. that I would like to see in my fictional world. All right. And we can compare and contrast and whatnot. So now on the dirt side, we'll go with you. First and foremost, what kind of cars do you want to see in this race? Is it just one class, big show? What do you think? Um, I think for, for your big crown jewels, it works best just to have one class of cars because you typically have enough to where one class of cars can handle a whole program. Um, you know, your, your big races at Eldora, Knoxville stuff, you know, you got 80 plus cars there. That's plenty to keep the show going. Um, so you don't really need a support division. So yes, I, for the, this scenario, I chose super light models, um, because, uh, that's what we're just more prone to around here. Unfortunately, we don't have the four tens around here, but, uh, so I did choose uh super light models and my fictional race. Um, <clears throat> I've always thought it'd be cool to do, a race of champions and you get that at a few of the crown jewels where everybody shows up because it's a fun debate you know who who has which tour has the best drivers you know world outlaws or luke soul or you know well if this driver ran this tour would he be as good and so it's fun for those big races you get to see everybody run at one time um so i've always liked that and i've always liked the different formats for some of these shows that allow your non you know national tour guys a chance to make the show because i mean there's good guys and maybe just their equipment ain't up to snuff or whatever but but pure driving talent wise they're as good yeah. they just need that shot and there's just there's only but a handful of so many rides you know um as we're seeing fewer and fewer you know those big rides go away but um the most important thing about the race is location all right. um so we have this race so what i did was i pulled up a map of the united states and dead center of our great land here is uh kansas and so i looked up good dirt tracks in kansas and one of my favorites that the sprint cars run i don't think the late miles run there is lakeside okay uh, lakeside's a beautiful track it's a four tenths mile uh, that's another big key for a crown jewel. You need it to be a big enough track to where uh, you have some speed, uh, wide enough track where you have some passing. You know, you don't want to run a big, you know, crown jewel at a bull ring, uh, but you also want to some of these bigger tracks, these big old five eighths miles, even though they call them half miles. Uh, you don't want them spaced out too exactly. far neither. And, and and that you kind of take the motor out of it a little bit because you know the guys with the biggest motors and the, and the best stuff you know they're going to be able to last on a big half mile. You know, like a Knoxville where they're pretty much hammered down for 100 laps. Uh, so I, I chose Lakeside. It's a good facility. Um, it's a very, very nice facility. You do have the VIP boxes there. Uh, the grandstands, according to their website, holds around 2,800 to 3,000, but they also have the grass hillside seating. Uh, so you could probably comfortably pack, you know, 4,000 more folks in there, I'd say. Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going going Lakeside. Uh, like I said, it's four-tenths mile. Um, always good racing uh, for the four-tens. Um, and then as far as my format, like I said, I want to do a race of champions. I want to have like the best guys from their, their respective regions, you know, kind of come together and let's just duke it out and see who's the best of the best. Okay. Um, according to the research I did, there's roughly around 20 to 25 uh, dedicated Super Lake model tours. And of course, you have your two national tours, Lucas Oil and World of Outlaws. But as far as your regional tours, there's roughly around 22, I think was the number I came, I found. So my, my format is your for each of your your local uh, uh tour there if you have to have a minimum of 10 drivers that follow that tour and your okay. champion of that tour gets 
gets his his way free entry and he gets a provisional almost and like i rock sort of used to similar be. similar but but that way you're going to encourage you know your local guys to promote their tours more because they have a chance for their their guys to be represented you know on the on the national stage there so you have to have a minimum of 10 followers on your tour right. and your champion of said tour provisional you automatically make the show uh so i'll probably put this at we'll say about 10 cars already in the show okay. um i like i'd like to do a two-day two-day format i want to do one lap challenge qualifying like you used to do at eldor nice just come out you get one lap you that better is go it. all and out you, it better be a perfect <laughs> lap so you get the one lap challenge I, I i really wish they they would go back to that at least for one event um and so after you qualify however you qualify we're going to set you up for i don't like i'm not going to do the heat race deal we're going to do the qualifiers uh you see this at uh fairbury um how do you line up the qualifiers off the draw yeah no you're gonna do it off qualifying so okay. i don't like penalizing your qualifier no redraws so however you qualify and we're gonna switch you up in groups of 20 so so you're gonna have groups of 20 20 cars 20 laps only the winner makes it to the show and so that's gonna have you know say if you have 100 cars that's five 20 lap qualifiers so now you have five more cars to make the show everybody else bring on the alphabet soup i love that go. about knoxville i love that because it's it, you get to see great racing and you get to see guys that you know you have a bad lap qualifying you get some bad luck you're gonna see some of your top guys in the d main you know so we get to see them work for it uh so we'll start with the alphabet soup top three advance to the next one so on and so forth and then when you get to the b main we're going to treat it as an actual main event b main so however many cars are left uh to fill out a 24 car field that's how many we're taking out of the b main okay. uh, and then we'll you know do the laps according to how many cars i always like cars plus one lap so if it's you know 24 cars it's going to be a 25 lap race so that's going to set our field um no provisionals outside of what we've what i've already mentioned um then uh, the non-qualifiers race i think that's important too you know you guys that you know just didn't make show at least we're gonna make some money and then off of the purse we'll do it i like it i'd like to see it done like the um uh, dirt million was this year off the percentages they adjusted the percentages because right now like your big crown jewels you know your hundred thousand wins and stuff you know yeah that's great but second place is dropping down to twenty thousand and it's pretty if, wide drop off exactly and it's a lot of incentive to punt the guy in front <laughs> exactly i mean it's such a huge gap you'd be it, a fool not to at least let it cross give your mind. The shot and then <laughs> and if you finish outside the top 10 you know you're hardly making you know start money yeah. so i'd like to see the percentages broken down to where uh you know a minimum of 2500 to start and then we'll just work our way up from there and you know maybe do 40 percent of total take in for the leader and then all the rest of your percentage will go to your non-qualifiers and uh yeah that's that's pretty much what i got right there i think it's that'd be bad. it'd be fun you get to see you know central location so you know sign advantage for one over the other unless you know your tour happens to be in the center like the mlra or something like that um and with the provisionals going to your series champion that's going to encourage your local like your carolina class your ultimates you know guys around here comp cams you know wherever you're running um it's going to encourage them to try to build their tours up because they know i have a shot of uh you know making it to a big stage run for some big money okay i'm gonna i'm gonna i'm gonna take some of your ideas okay. and implement them into mine so just to show you how fictional mine is <laughs> the location will tell you how fictional it is north wilkesburg oh my goodness we're okay. we're going up yes. to, we're going up 220 we're going uphill and downhill <laughs> where there's yeah where there's one there's only one way in and one way out yeah, of the track right. and the traffic can be, get backed up but we're going to north wilkesburg okay so first and foremost in fictional world 
we got to fill in all the cracks and we got to <laughs> go in there with the roundup and we got to get the weeds out of yes. there and we got to paint brushes yeah you're gonna have to rope off the parts where the roof's caved in but we, we're going to north wilkesboro just because it's it's 0.625 so it's a little over a half mile but it's still i still consider it a short track and like you said it's it's unique it's you know uphill back stretch downhill front stretch it's got the nostalgia that a lot of the people in our generation and younger have just they've got an affinity for it like previous ones didn't so now we got nostalgia coming too you got 10 million places on the property you can take a picture for instagram the class we are going asphalt supers okay i love asphalt super late models they are wide they are you know they have more horsepower they are louder and they are just i just i love them to death especially when you get a bunch of them crowned together like at the all-american 400 or the snowball derby when you get the best of the best in that class together, it is it is just unbelievable, and it's it's hard for anybody to run away with it. So, now, are we only running asphalt supers, or are we running sport division here? Nope, it's I'm only going supers asphalt, only. Okay. just asphalt supers. All right. I'm gonna take some elements from Martinsville, but the Martinsville from our childhood. Okay. So what I mean by that is, we're gonna do two day show. We're gonna qualify. We're gonna practice and qualify on Saturday. We ain't gonna open the track on Friday. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to open it up and have them have an optional quote unquote practice where everybody feels like they have to be there. Yeah. We're going to limit it to Saturday to Sunday. All you can do Friday is park the hauler. And if you want to go ahead and pay entry for the weekend, you can, but I'm not, you know, you're not going to get a disadvantage by not being there Friday. So Saturday, we're going to come in, we're going to practice and we're going to qualify. What we're going to do, we're going to lock in the top 20 on speed. They're going to be locked into the show. We're going to go 42 car field. Then everybody else is going to get to split into four heats. Those heats are going to be 25 laps each. Top five makes it in. And I'm not going to have some crazy rule about counting caution laps because I don't believe in counting caution laps in a race that's not the main event. Mm. So, yeah, 25 lap, four heat races, top five make it in. Going with that. Now, to wrap up the day on Saturday, it's going to be a Saturday, Sunday show. To wrap up the day on Saturday, I'm going to do an invitational, kind of like what you were talking about. So with Asphalt Super Late Models, there's the Cars Tour Supers, there's CRA, there's Pass uh, National and Pass North. Um, I think there's there might be another series out there. I'm just, the Southern Super Series, the Blizzard Series. And what we're going to do is we're going to have a special exhibition race on the Saturday after qualifying. The previous year champion of each of these tours or whatever gets a guaranteed spot and the current points leader gets a guaranteed spot. So I'm thinking we're gonna have probably about 10 cars at most, unless I'm forgetting two, five tours, then you know, we'll let them into. <laughs> and it's gonna be a 25 lap dash, five grand to win it. But we're gonna pay through, but five grand to win it, you can go out there, make a little quick, easy money, and it's 25 laps. It's not very long. Not going to be long enough for pit stops or nothing like that. We're going, we'll do that on Saturday. Then we're going to come back for Sunday. Sunday, we run our four heat races. We've got our lineup for the main event. And then, because it's a 42-car field, we've locked in top 20 with four heat races. Now we're up to 40. Well, we got to get to 42 somehow. So the provisional is going to be based on uh, fan attendance so i'm going to do it like this when fans come in the gate as they're coming in or if they buy their tickets online they can do this 
and it'll be like a little thing like you know who's your favorite driver or something like that so with online ticket sales this will be a lot easier in person i'm sure we're going to, have to work through a little something so you can put your driver or whatnot and you could see who all is coming to see who and whatnot top two drivers who are not already in the show with fan attendance associated with that's the provisional it's not based on any points of any series because this is a non this is not a series affiliated race so you're gonna you're gonna reward the guys that like you said with dirt million that are promoting the race right. they're bringing more people in and whatnot i'm going to give them a reward for that and i'm not pooping on the little guy who doesn't have a lot of fans i'm just looking at who's buying the tickets so i'm sure bubba pollard <laughs> if he ain't already in the race he's gonna be yeah. he's gonna be locked in on provisional yes. Then the feet, the race, we're gonna start straight up. We're gonna go to first hundred laps. Then we're gonna we're gonna throw the caution. We're gonna bring them down pit road, and it's gonna be a ten minute halfway break. And you know, because it's ten minute halfway break, there's no need for these guys to pay pit crews or anything like that. They come down, they work on their car. They're gonna come back out the way they were. Only exception to that, top six will redraw. I'm not a big invert guy. Yeah. I like the redraw because at least you are giving me a chance if I come in as the leader to redraw better than six. If it's a straight-up invert, if I'm running third, I'm popping the brakes on lap 99. Yeah, absolutely, yeah. I'm, I'm going to sandbag it back. Absolutely, yeah. So we will redraw the top six, and that will be in the order they came in. So if you led at halfway, you're going to get a halfway bonus. I'm going to find a sponsor to give me ten grand for that. <laughs> Good luck. Totally fictional. <laughs> but you're going to get a halfway bonus, and you're going to redraw the top six by the order you came in. Then we'll go back out, run the last 100 laps. I'm not going to throw another caution at lap 190 with 10 to go. I'm not going to do that. That lap 100 mix up with the redraw I think will be good enough, and I think Asphalt Supers at a place like North Wilkesboro that is so unique and as good as those cars can handle getting around turns and taking the pit crews out of it, it's not snowball derby where it's long enough where they need pit stops. The halfway break should handle that. You get the car refueled. You should be good to go. We are counting caution laps up till 10 to go. At 10 to go, I will cut off counting caution laps. Last 10 laps have to be green. Then I think about the Martinsville rule about how many times are we going to try to restart this yes, race. Yes. I will, you know what? I will put it at two. I will not go three. I will, I will give two attempts to finish this thing. Now, once they take the white flag, next flag ends the race. Yeah. So, you know, if they take the white flag and there's a wreck, you know, I'm throwing a caution. And what I'm going to do, actually, I'm going to solve this problem as well. Because we have such a problem in this part of the sport about determining, well, who was in the lead? You know, and, and the old rule has always been, well, who got to the start-finish line first? Here's what I'm going to do. Well, first off, this event's going to be streamed, so we're going to be on video. I'm going to make sure my streamer has four cameras set up for a specific purpose. I'm going to draw a line halfway through turns one and two on the apex. I'm going to draw a line halfway down the backstretch. I'm going to draw a line halfway through turns three and four. And, of course, i got start-finish line. I'm going to make sure my streamer has a camera on each one of those, and I'll pay him for that. And if we get a caution after the white flag the line you crossed last at least for the leader this i'm just going to do this for the leader because no one else is probably going to get through this line whichever line the leader you know got to last or the field got to last 
that will determine it. So maybe the leader crossed the start finish line first, but he blew turn one yeah. and he went up the track. Second place got under him and got a nose out in front of him halfway through turns one and two. Caution comes out. He's your winner. Okay. He got to that line. And that line is going to be drawn, and it's going to be white, and it's going to be impossible to miss. And they're like, this is the way we're going to determine it. So if you do make that last lap pass, you are not going to get held back because you didn't make the pass at the start-finish line. And as far as paying to win, for something like that, I'm probably going to have to do 25, 30 grand yeah, to yeah. get those Supers in there. But I don't want... I don't want pit crews. I don't want pit stops. I don't want, you know, that. That's why I'm doing the halfway break, and that's kind of what I'm thinking. Just because I, I think it, I think it'd be a cool show. Yeah, that sounds good. Um, I guess uh, first question is what time of the year for these? Because we we see the crown jewels kind of spread out more yeah. so i think it's more in dirt than asphalt and correct me if i'm wrong your dirt shows throughout the year they really gets fired up around may but may through you know september you've got pretty much crown jewel every weekend it seems like to me the stuff i know about asphalt more your stuff's towards the end of the year correct mostly yeah. mostly yeah so are you doing this at the end of the year because you still got you know guys running for points and stuff are you going to try to do it you know warmer weather or i'm doing like last weekend in august last weekend in august okay because for asphalt supers what i'm thinking is if i can avoid some of the mid-summer ones and whatnot and I still give them time to get ready for Snowball Derby because Snowball Derby is still, in my mind, the biggest asphalt super race in the country. That still gives them time to get fixed for that. It's late August, so we're still going to be warm outside. I'm not going to have to worry about the cold. Um, you know what would be really good? If I could get it the weekend of Labor Day weekend, but I don't know how the calendar is going to fall because this is all fictional. It'd be great if I could get Labor Day weekend, run the show on Sunday, and then Monday is a day where everybody – I can it, it can be my rain date if yep. I need it. If not, it's a day for everybody to go home and recover and go back to work on Tuesday because yes. most people are off on that Monday. Okay. So right. I'll go with that one. All right, good idea. So, hey, you know what? If if we ever hit the lottery, <laughs> this still isn't going to happen because our it's wives not are not going to let us do that. Yes. <laughs> So, so then that leads, yeah. <laughs> so then that leads us into our next topic, married guy stuff. Yes. Now, I got married in 2016, buddy. You got married in 2015. Yep. So we're we're a year apart on that. We're both happily married, awesome wives, good Christian wives and whatnot. But there are certain things. See, as men, there's so many things that we just don't do before we get married. Like women, it seems like. They're doing a lot of this stuff before they get married, and now it just transfers over to the partner that's living in the house. We're single guys. I mean, you can see a cockroach crawling in the bathroom, and you're like, eh, I don't think much of it. I'll get it tomorrow. Yeah, your wife's like, oh, God, you got to come get this now. So there's so much, so much married guy stuff that stuff you didn't know before, you kind of wish you knew now, but even then, I mean, I don't know if you would have changed so much behavior. So so let me let me, let me me put we'll, we'll ping pong on this. Okay. As a married man, yes. What is, what is, what was the first thing you had to learn to adjust in your behavior? Just silly stuff, not deep emotional stuff yeah, about. Yeah. I had to learn to care more, <laughs> and I had to, to, I had to say I love you more, and things like that. We're just being silly and whatnot. What was the first thing 
that you did in your natural behavior that your wife was like, hold on, that, <laughs> that might have to go. Oh, man. Uh, it's so hard many, to probably so pick many, one. So many. Uh, <laughs> sense of humor. Sense of humor, probably. Um, I like to keep the mood light. I'm very uh, sarcastic. Not a mean sarcastic. I'm just a sarcastic. I can find funny in a lot of different areas that most people can't. Uh, as I've been told, I, f I can find funny in a dark place. <laughs> a lot of people can't. And... Um, yeah, I would say sense of humor because things to me are funny that other people take way too serious, in my opinion. And, uh, I mean, I can't really single out one specific thing off the top of my head. Um, okay, getting used to some uh, – a female's sense of humor is way different well, from a guy's sense of humor most of the time. Most of the time. You can't really lump – you can't lump them all in together because I know some females I might be related to them that are <laughs> – that uh, have a pretty dark sense of humor. I already <laughs> know who you're talking about, but yes. I won't name her. Yes, yeah. Uh, but uh, my beautiful wife, I call it – she has like the Disney sense of humor. Like it's very, very light, just, you know – very topical funny stuff uh but if there's if there's any kind of deep deepness to it yeah i think it's funny but i know i better not say that right there because i'm gonna be the only one laughing you know i can't believe you'd say that so i was like i'm you know i don't really think this it's like, just funny to yeah, me yeah just a funny thought yeah that's that's just how i i've always had to deal with stuff like that so i'll just learn to laugh at it because if i took it seriously man i'd be you know going crazy i think mine mine off the top would probably be the difference in the and the sleeping habits okay me and my wife's sleeping habits we could not be more further apart yes. i by nature am a little bit more of an early riser i don't get up at six on days off nothing like that but i i get up about 8 30 or so and that to me is sleeping in my wife is a night owl my wife wants to my wife in college would stay up all night watching netflix disney movies whatever it was yeah. And would sleep all day on Saturday. And I'd be like, man, you wasted a whole day. Like, well, I was up all night watching TV. Yeah. Me, I'm like, man, I'll, I'll go to bed at a reasonable hour, like yeah. 1130 midnight, yeah. wake up about eight or so or whatever, just naturally. And I'm going on about my business. If it's, you know, when I was in college, it was like, all right, I got the day free today. Am I going to go fishing? I'm going to go hang with my buddies. I'm going to go find a race. I'm going to go find something to do. I want to go do stuff. Yeah. Whereas she's a little bit slower on that so that was probably the first thing that came up where it was a difference where the sleep schedule is totally different so like now on saturday mornings if we don't have an obligation i know when i wake up give her a kiss tell her i love her i take my headphones into the living room and i try not to make much noise that's her time to kind of <laughs> shut her brain off and just sleep and relax where i'm like i'm watching college game day yeah, yeah. i might be watching racing highlights yeah so that was yeah, like we actually, I got in trouble for this. I did not realize this early on. So I went in the living room and was like, I'm going to watch the TV on normal volume. I started getting the text messages from the bedroom on my phone. Please turn the TV down. I'm like, it's not even that loud. Yeah. Please turn the TV down. <laughs> TV's all the way down to two. I can't hear it. Thank you. I'm like, I can't hear nothing. God's <laughs> living in a small house. Too. God bless headphones. Oh, yes. So, oh, yeah. That's, that's funny. Me and Heather are flip-flop. I'm the night owl, and she's the early riser. And, uh, yeah, I, I learned that very early on. You know, get home. You know, we go out to eat or something like that. And, you know, it's 
you know, eight, eight thirty, something like that, ready to throw in a movie or something like that. And she's already batting eyelids. So I learned very <laughs> on as a course, you know, being the gentleman, attempting to be the gentleman, let her pick out the movie. And so she picks out, you know, some chick flick or, or something I'm not interested in. And <laughs> you don't want to watch the notebook. <laughs> no, thank God she ain't that bad about it, but <laughs> no dirty dancing or something like that. And, uh, that that that's actually a true story. She she loves the movie Dirty Dancing. I I bought it for her on DVD for her birthday or Valentine's or something like that one year. And um, we weren't married at the time. We were still dating. And uh, we come home. I'm pretty sure it's Valentine's. You go out to eat, have a nice dinner and stuff. Come home. It's you know like I said eight eight thirty something like that. Hey, well, let's watch your movie, babe. All right, good. Yeah. So throw it in there. You know, snuggle up on the couch. 30 minutes into it she's gone just and, passed oh, yeah, out she, she's purring on my laying, you know, laying in, <laughs> in my arm she's just purring and she's laying on my arm i can't reach the remote so guess who's stuck watching dirty, dirty dancing, dancing. <laughs> and i'm just thinking you know how many races i could be watching right now or a game or something like that so yeah i she nine o'clock if, if it's past nine o'clock it's a miracle for her to be awake all right that's that's one thing let me try to think something oh the shared space the bathroom yes that is a big one that yes. as a Amer- because neither of us did the cohabitation thing we we waited till we went down the aisle and said the vows and then we moved in so you and i were learning this stuff after we got the rings on and whatnot so the bathroom turns into a thing and i know for us our house is so small we only have one sink and one toilet and one shower so i never thought about what a traffic jam it became <laughs> in the bathroom until now, as a married man with one commode, yes. one shower, and one sink, I hate sharing the sink with her to brush my teeth because she takes so much longer than me. That might be why her teeth are whiter than mine, <laughs> but she takes a lot longer to brush her teeth where I'm like, all right, eight quick scrubs, got the backs and the tops, <laughs> spit it out, I'm done. Yeah, It's a little longer process with her, a little longer in the shower, mm-hmm. a little, you know, just longer in general. Whereas I think guys, we're just like, man, all right, let me get on out of here. Well, yeah. <laughs> Growing, growing up with five of us in a house with one bathroom and two older sisters and a mom, so heavily outnumbered in the male-to-female ratio there, I I was always the last one to get to the bathroom, and I had to be quick. And, you know, by the time you jump in the shower, there ain't no hot water left kind of thing. So I was at least a little prepared for that. But uh, my wife is, she takes very good care of herself. Like, it doesn't matter where we're going. We can be going to cookout, not getting out of the truck, and she's, you know, just dressed. She, she looks good. She's just, you know, I ain't gonna say putting on nines, but she's just you know, she's dressed. She's putting way more effort into it than yes, you are. Yeah, oh, I'm you know t-shirt and shorts, and she's got you know a nice outfit on and and whatnot. And uh, I mean, she's just always looking beautiful. And uh, so obviously, you know, she's gonna spend a little more time. But uh, funny thing about this house uh, where we're living at now is uh, the water heater is a little smaller, I think, for what this house calls for. And it's only two of us, you know, we ain't got no kids, nothing like that. And I have, I think, this weekend was the third time I've had to turn the water heater up because <laughs> it's uh, she babe, wasn't pumping out yeah, enough. Uh, uh, babe, can we do something about the the water? It, it gets cold before I get done with the shower. I'm like, how, how long, long are you in shower? there? Exactly. I'm about twice as big as she is, and I'm good by the time I'm done. But uh, oh yeah, she's she is an early riser. You know, she does her thing. You know, devotional and drinking her coffee and stuff. But oh yeah, it's an hour minimum getting ready for work or or for church or something like that. Whereas me, five minutes. Five minutes. But of course, she looks a whole lot better than I do once we get out in the public too. So this is true. There's here's another one I thought of uh, that came with marriage that I did not realize. I did not realize how many outfits women have to uh, prepare for on trips. So, uh, 
I don't even know what we were doing. I don't know if we were going somewhere. Or we, well, we were clearly leaving the house or something. And uh, we're going somewhere. And Allison was asking me, like, well, well how warm is it going to be when the sun goes down? Uh-huh. Well, can you look and see? So I'm looking at a weather bug. I'm like, why does it matter? Well, if it gets cold, yeah. you know, I need to have a jacket. <laughs> and, something. and I'm like, you know, I'm a guy. I'm like, uh, you know, I'll be fine. Yeah. But, I, you know. It's it's a little different with our with the, with the ladies. Whereas like, you know, you could have called me in our in our unmarried days. You could have called me on a Saturday morning. I'm in the apartment wearing gym shorts and a t-shirt and be like, "Hey, you want to go play some golf? Yeah, let's go." Yeah, you know, yeah, just didn't even hardly change yeah. no clothes. Yeah. Ago. Women, it's it's a little more thought process into one of the, what could come. <laughs> one of the first uh, out of town trips we did together, we were just staying over for one night, and uh, I go to pick her up. You know, again, this is when we were dating and stuff. I go to pick her up, and I got one small little duffel bag. I got you know just the bare essentials, a change of clothes. That's all I need. And she is living in an apartment. She comes out with two rolling suitcases. <laughs> one night. Too I was like, what? Goodness. Her clothes aren't that big. Maybe she's got her computer or one or whatever. And this is when I learned that, from her words, that she needs options. So, you know, we're going to go out to eat somewhere that night, and she don't know, you know, which outfit she wants to do, which, of course, the guy-girl thing, you know, that's, you know, crazy to me. But I get it, Uh, you know, on her side of things. But, yeah, she come rolling out, which is funny because, like, my best bud lives up in Virginia. Uh, Whenever he would come over, or, you know, I go to his house, something like that. We would just, we would throw uh, shirt, shorts, toothbrush, deodorant in a, like a, a Ziploc bag, or he would bring a trash bag. Yeah. And that was it. You know, we're going out of town somewhere, you know, just throw it in the back of the seat. And I got the back of the truck loaded up now, especially if we're going for more than one day. I'll tell you another thing you don't think about as a single guy is the amenities. And I'll give you an example of this. Somewhere that you and I hold near and dear to our heart up in Danbury, North Carolina, yes. up at the Second Chance yes. Ranch. And we have a, a cabin that Brother King let us build down. And when I say down in the holler, I'm talking <laughs> no about sales service deep yeah. in the holler. You cross... Creek three times? Creek, Yeah, cross the creek three you times. Better have four-wheel drive. Yeah. If, I mean, even with your four-wheel drive, you might get stuck. This cabin is... You talk about solitude. When you're in there at night, sleeping in your sleeping bag, you can hear the bears walking through the woods, and you can hear the stream. There's no interruption. I don't think I could ever take my wife there because no. there is no toilet to sit down on. And, you know, <laughs> for like a lady or something, you know, man, we're a little more primal. We'll go pee in the stream, or if we got to go sit down, we'll go up further in the woods to do our business. And I just thought about it. I was like, yeah, that's something I definitely could not. Allison would not go for. She'd be like, "Where's the electricity? <laughs> there ain't none." Well, I'm supposed to charge a cell phone. How am I gonna wake up? They don't point have a cell phone. No, <laughs> down there. Hey, the difference one, in amenities. One thing you have thought about that cabin doesn't have any mirrors in it either, so there ain't no point in prettying up your face because you can't see what you look like anyway. <laughs> that is true. That is true. <laughs> My wife would love the fireplace. That's about it. Yeah, <laughs> they'd be like, "All right, when are we going home?" Exactly. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. She liked the fireplace in the daytime. She she loves nature. She'll she'll go on hikes in the water and all that stuff. But yeah, no no electricity, no adequate bathroom and stuff. That would be a tough one for her. Yeah. So let's see. There's there's a couple of differences. I'm trying to think of. Oh, here's one: the negotiation for the television remote. Mm. As single guys, you come home from work, you might shower off or something. 
you might cook a little food or something. Food's actually going to be the next one. <laughs> we could do an whole episode on picking a restaurant to eat at. But, uh, you know, you come back, throw the ball game on or cops is on or if you watch a show on Netflix or something. No, nah, as a married guy, and we only got one TV in our house, so watching TV is only in the living room. It is at negotiated rate. Well, when is your TV show on? Well, my show's on on Mondays. All right, well, that means I'm watching something on my cell phone. Thank God for streaming. Yes. That's a battle. The remote control knowledge you have to learn how to negotiate. Oh, yes. Like, honey, they only play the Super Bowl every five years. <laughs> Please let me watch this one. Yeah. That's a lie. <laughs> That's, yeah. Yeah, that I, my, uh, will be a combo thing because, as I said earlier, my, my wife likes to go to bed early. So she we're usually never home whenever the shows that we both like are playing live. So it's always DVR stuff. So... I will. I'm very good at hand her the remote. Here's the remote. TV is yours because I know at nine o'clock you're going to bed, and I can go back and watch what I want to. There so it's go. easy to negotiate. If it's a ball game, I like you said, you know, you pull it up on your phone, laptop, whatever, and watch it while it's going on. And with the sleep thing, as a single man, when I was uh, a company I worked for in Durham, uh, we just I, I worked all the time, like especially during the summer. I mean, a 10-hour day was getting off early. So my routine was I'd come home, and it's usually supper time or later. I'd come home, I'd take a nap. And this is like trying to make that happen with the marriage thing no. no because that she you know she works you know uh, retail jobs her hours are crazy but you know those times like we're both home you know before supper times like we need to spend that time together yeah kind of thing and that was a tough adjustment for me because i would come home you know after working you know however long of a day i'd come home i would take a nap for eight for you know i'd shower and stuff i'd take yeah. a nap i'd get up i'd eat and then it'd be nine o'clock and i'd go to the gym and then come home you know watch a ball game play video games or whatever like that and you know 11 30 12 o'clock i'm going to bed you know that was my routine that was just insane for her she's like how how can you sleep when two hours later you're going to bed well i'm not going to bed two hours later you are you know yeah. I'm, I'm gonna be up for a lot longer than that so with the remote stuff it's a little easier for me because uh, you're on different sleep schedules uh, her her and i are the definition of opposites of track and, it, and that is there's a lot of truth in that and so like this we don't like the same shows i don't know if it's like you that with you and allison but like stuff she watches i don't care for stuff i like she doesn't care for so i just hand her the remote and then i i'll take a nap right then so i'm still getting my nap in or you know i'll watch something on my phone or something like that i have gotten lucky with her with the sports stuff i don't really watch a lot of shows i'm more you know most time watch I'm, watching, ball game I'm watching a ball game or something and you know my my the teams i follow and the sports i follow usually when one's done you know one season's done the next one's starting um so i am very fortunate that when we got married, she, you know, really didn't know much about baseball, didn't care about it and stuff. And, you know, I'm a diehard Cubs fan. I buy the package every year, so I watch their games and stuff. And, like, that great just compromise, you know, turning point moment for us. I came home one day, and she – got home for i did she is watching the cubs game so she learned how to find the channel on herself she's watching yeah. it she she gives me a recap of what has happened so far in the game nice uh, she's bought you know her favorite she finds just favorite make player. You happy. i'm like yes thank you lord <laughs> thank you lord she's not this is stupid and just you know locks up so that's cool and then therefore i have to compromise on something she likes but see no. that that's that's something similar with us is when your partner takes an interest in something that you like yes like with the uh the Carolina Hurricanes, National Hockey League team, you know, you and I are, are, are big fans of them. Mm -hmm. And now, actually, my first date with Allison was going to a Hurricanes hockey game. And 
to my surprise, I thought she'd hate it. It was cold in the arena for her. Sure. I was fairly comfortable. She got a little cold. But enjoyed it in person. And so now, if I watch the game at the house, a lot of times she'll she'll either sit down and watch it with me or she'll at least be like, you know, you know, what's the score? You know, where's I, where's Sebastian Ajo? Yeah, she yeah. knows a few of the players, and I'm just like, you know, yeah. So we're, we're the way we kind of work it is we have some things that are common interest, like we both like the Hurricanes. I like it a little. I think I like it a little bit more, but she she likes it. We both love The Office. Okay. Boy Meets World. We went through that. I think we've gone through that DVD series twice. Um, Deadliest Catch. She. I like Deadliest Catch. She kind of likes it. And then the stuff we disagree on, I can at least tolerate some of it. There's some of it I just flat out don't like. Yeah. And I just put my headphones on and watch something else. Yeah. Thank God for streaming. That's right. Now the food one. Oh, my goodness. This is the fun <laughs> one. I'm going to just tell you, picking the restaurant, that's a whole different episode. Yeah. That one will take a full hour. Yeah, absolutely. But yes. the difference in what you eat. So I'm going to give you an example. When I was in my studio apartment in Graham, in the Pines... And when I say studio, it might have been a studio of a studio. She's pretty small. My dinner diet <laughs> consisted of boiled hot dogs with the cheese and the weenie. I didn't invest in hot dog buns. I ate them off the sandwich bread. Why buy a hot dog bun? You can only eat hot dogs with it. So, boiled hot dogs, which my wife says is not cooking. Food line, freezer, chicken nuggets. They, can't, they had the clear plastic <laughs> over the top. Food line chicken nuggets, uh, mac and cheese in the microwave. That's a nice, easy one. Uh, <laughs> chicken patties in the oven. Um, trying to think what the other one. Oh, Jethro bowls of cereal. I take the, pop <laughs> the popcorn bowl and fill that booger with Captain Crunch. That's the only reason I had milk in my apartment was so I could eat Jethro bowls of cereal. Now that we've been married for a while, my wife hates when I buy cereal, because she knows what's coming is the Jethro Bowl. <laughs> yeah. So now I've kind of, I can't remember the last time I did it. But you, you eat so much different as a single man at the house as compared to when you get married. Now, if I was to say to my wife tomorrow after work, like, what do you want to do for supper? If I was like, well, why don't we just go get some chicken nuggets and some mac and cheese? She'd be like, you want to try that one again? <laughs> yeah. That's a major one. Wow. 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 You have it too, folks. Yeah. Your wife's a you know, vegetarian and whatnot, and you're a meatitarian, so yeah. you get it twice as different as me. I'm definitely the carnivore, that's for sure. She she is, uh, I, I'm just going to call her a clean eater, because she does eat meat, but it has to be you know clean clean meat. Okay. And, she used to be a vegetarian. Yeah, well. Ish, it, maybe. It's, it was just, like I said, just clean eating. Like, she'll eat you know chicken that she uh, she buys herself, so she knows it's, you know, uh, doesn't have any of the uh, fillers in it, hormones. You know, it's it's cage free and it's it's uh, you know wild caught, grass fed. All those terms that I never Not knew existed. All these terms I never knew existed before I got <laughs> married. But um, yeah, my my single man diet was uh, two cans of beanie weenies because I was a growing boy. Nice uh, sandwiches, uh, the hungry man meals. Uh, if it was. Uh, wasn't pay week. It was uh, two packets of oatmeal. <laughs> you know, you nice. Did, you, did what, you did what you had to do, man. Had some whey protein. Uh, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. But, yeah. Back when I was working out, I had the whey protein or the protein bars and stuff like that. And um, early on, we were dating, and she was sweet. She'd cook for me and stuff. And I remember I had just gone to the grocery store, and when I say grocery store, I say Walmart, because 
you it's get cheaper there. Yeah, well, you get everything you need in one spot. Where else can you buy a set of tires for your truck and some beanie weenies? But um, <laughs> and a new sweater, and a, a new <laughs> sweater, it's a fishing rod, whatever. So anyway, I uh, she comes over. I, you know, gave her the key to the place where she came over. And I just bought all this stuff, and I go come home from work, come in, nice little note on the refrigerator. She cooked me a big old bowl of pasta or something like that. So you know, that's nice. Of her. She didn't have to do that and go to grab a snack out of the cupboard. Everything I bought is gone. And oh. like my my go to snacks were were muff these muffins like oatmeal raisin bars, uh, pop tarts. You know, just I was a twelve year old in a twenty year old <laughs> body. man's body. Yeah, and like everything's gone. And she like she was very um she started out like she would like take one out and and then have like a healthy replacement so my oatmeal raisin bars go and then she has like these like health nut bars that are like all organic and stuff Ew. and i'm like okay okay i'm going easy we're going easy and then i think we just got comfortable enough in a relationship where at least she was and like everything's gone and like here's all this other stuff so first of all i'm a little mad because i just spend all this money yeah all stuff. this that's, money went down a drain that, that's the pain in me but realistically it's probably twenty dollars worth of stuff uh, and then B, I'm like, okay, how much do I love this girl? Because <laughs> I could have very easily been pushed to a fight. But and I, you know, after you know, you calm down a little bit. I realize that she's just looking out for my best interest and stuff. But yeah, there's not a single thing in our kitchen or cupboard right now that I would have had. As a single, single man. man. There's not a single thing. And they know Zach's hot dog chili in there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There is, there is like the snacks, like even the popcorn I get now. Like there is nothing in there that I ate as a single man. So yeah. uh, you definitely have to be willing to compromise. And sometimes it's a little more one way than the other. But uh, it's all, it was all with good intentions. I'll give you a funny one. So when me and Allison started dating uh, in September of 2013, uh, I was at the time living with another single man, Jason Turner. We called the house the, the Casa de Solteras, which was house of, I, I think it was like bachelor's house, whatever. Translation, probably poorly. Nonetheless, <laughs> so we're two single men living in the same house, and we both had full-time jobs and part-time jobs, so we're barely there at the same time. Sundays were usually the days we were there together, and Allison would come down to the house, and you know she, she was in college. I wouldn't make a lot of money, so we couldn't go out but so much. So a lot of times we were just hanging out at the house watching movies, and Jason was usually there. And, you know, we'd third wheel at the Lafayette or whatever. But this is the funny part. So Sunday, there was a particular Sunday where Allison and her good heart was like, I want, I want to cook something for you guys. Pretty easy to please. I'm like, I don't, you know, whatever you want. And she made hamburger helper. Dude, you'd have thought me and Jason were dining at the Biltmore Estate <laughs> with like Heads Estate or Super Duper Pork. People were just like, man, this is this is so good, man. It's, it's a lot better hey, than hungry, a, man. Yeah, this is a delicacy, man. I was just gonna want some Pop Tarts. Like <laughs> we're diving that, and like me and Jason are both paying compliments. We're like, you know, Allison, thank you so much for cooking for us. And she was just like. It's hamburger helper, guys. Yeah. It's not that hard to make. But to us, oh, yeah. as single men, we're like, man, just thank you for that. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> one of the very first meals that uh, she ever cooked for us while we were uh, married, and was it was just a, a, a slab of salmon and green beans. And I think, you know, another little side or whatever. And um, I come home, and, and it's, you know, it's laid out and prepared for me. I'm like... 
this isn't fish sticks. You yeah. Know? Like, this is like prime. Did you, you know? microwave this? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> yeah. But that's a whole other story. No microwave. All right. But, uh, yeah, but I just kind of, you know, when I think fish, you know, I'd get like the the frozen shrimp or something like that. You know, that was nice to me as a single man. I come out here and there's this nice, it's like filet of fish, uh, salmon sticking out there. And I'm like taking pictures of it and like sending it to my mom. It's like, look what she, you know, made for me. And like, like you said, it's a delicacy. And she still fixes that for me today. But I just remember that first time. I was like, "Wow, this is a lot better than fish sticks." Yep. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think with that one, I think we'll put a bow on it. Okay. We'll, we <laughs> can do a whole other episode on the fun part of trying to pick a restaurant. Oh yeah, that's with your married woman as opposed to yes. picking one as a single man. Yes. But, uh, appreciate it as always, brother. We'll, Absolutely. We'll man. see when we get together again. Yes, sir. Yeah, this will be part one. Yeah. Thank you for listening to yet another episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast. Please help us out and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Stitcher, and be sure to give us a rate and review if you can to let us know how much you're enjoying our episodes. Thank you for listening, and have a blessed day. And don't forget, you can also listen to episodes of the Half Price Concessions podcast without downloading the apps. Just go to www.anchor.fm slash hpc podcast. Thank you and have a blessed one this time.